Welcome to Humans of LMAC, the podcast that gives awesome a voice. I'm your host, Mr. Michael Penning, coming to you from beautiful room S203. And joining me today is one of Laurier McDonald's two vice principals, Ms. Veronique Cadier. Okay, so Ms. Cadier, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you know, this is your first time on Humans of LMAC, so it welcome. Is. Thank you. And, uh, you know, before we get to, to chatting about some serious stuff, let's uh, get to know you a little bit. So what did you do before being an administrator? You know, what, what did you teach? Where did you teach? How did you end up here? Uh, I started in the YMCA working with kids. And uh, my mom is a teacher. And so just, you know, one thing led to another working with kids, realizing, hey, I'm good with it and I enjoy them. So I started uh, substituting in the Lester B. Pearson School Board, and I started teaching French. I think just my background, I'm Haitian, so my last name being Carrier, it was just one of those easy things since it was my first language. So started teaching French. Uh, ever since, it's been that's been my subject. Within the EMSB, I've been at a lot of schools. I've been at Marymount. Uh, I've been at James Ling. Then from James Ling, I went to the outreach system. Outreach system, I was at options two. Then from options two, I went to Mile End. Uh, those are the two schools in the outreach system. Mile End, I stayed there for quite a while, uh, seven, eight years, still teaching French. Uh, Mile End, however, you had to teach other subjects also. So I did leadership, I did yoga, I did ethics, uh, explorations, the whole, uh, whole mixture. <laughs> and then, after mile end, I was pretty burnt. I was burnt. I had uh, I had to step back, so I decided to go to elementary school because yeah. I had been in high school the entire time. I went to Sinclair Laird as a resource teacher, and from there I realized uh, I was done. I needed something different, a bigger challenge, and then I went into admin. Okay. Yeah. And what do you think of Laurie McDonald so far? It's great, honestly. It's um, well, because first I started out at John Paul as an admin. And so it was just the juniors, our sister school. So I really, really enjoyed that separation. I enjoyed the fact that they could just be young and then they came into the senior side. So it's nice being here mainly because I know the kids too, right? It's really, really nice to see the kids grow up uh, and become more mature. It's nice that I know the teachers and uh, it's just a bigger family. You know, John Paul was a smaller family and now we just grew. Uh, so it's, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. Um, so switching gears a little bit, it's, uh, it's February, and it's Black History Month, yeah, and um, I've been at Laurie McDonald for 15 years, and you are the first black administrator that I've had. Um, mm -hmm. So you have a unique perspective on this, and, and what um, a lot of people may not know is that we, there was a conscious decision made this year that as a school, we weren't going to go above and beyond for, for black history initiatives. So they weren't going to do assemblies. Teachers were free to, to deal with these things in their classrooms. Um, but I think this is something that really resonated with me. I think this is, this is a, a, a great call on your guys' part because it, it raises an awareness of a disparity that we do have in education. So um, what were your thoughts on Black History Month in general and, and what LMAC has decided to do instead this year? It's, uh, it's tough for me to say that I'm happy we're not doing something because it just sounds so wrong, yeah. right? Um, and when I told other people, I've been telling people for years that 
I can't do Black History Month. And everybody just, nobody understands. Um, when I started in administration, my first uh, February, I experienced there was a rolled up canvas of Martin Luther King in a closet. And at the beginning of February, the canvas was taken out, unrolled, pinned <laughs> to a wall. And at the end of February, it was unrolled and put back. Uh, I can't even find the words to describe how lost and confused I was, <laughs> how I felt, how to describe how that felt. But basically to lighten the situation, of course, and to joke about it, I would say, well, uh, I'm not black just in February. Just to roll out a poster for February, it just it really boggles my mind, especially in a school. So, and I, I can't stand token days to begin with. I can't stand days that are just to highlight something important, like our anti-bullying day, for yeah. instance. It's not just because we're going to have an assembly on one day that everybody's all of a sudden going to stop bullying. Yeah. So it's not just because we talk about it just in February that it's going to make a difference. So... Uh, all that to say, I slowly, you know, I've in other schools, I keep on saying the same things that we need to do something different. We need to make noise, uh, bring it to people's attention in a different way. And what better way than to just not celebrate it, to just say, I'm not doing anything. I'm not going to call in a speaker for an hour to yep. talk about their life story or to show a play or, you know, I don't want to say force, but to ask teachers to take time apart from their subject to teach about slavery. Um, so it was really just how do we do something different? Yeah. And we start off by just saying we're not going to do something until we can figure out how to actually make a difference. Yeah. Doing something like this is, is nice to raise awareness, but I think we've there's enough awareness of <laughs> the issues we have going on right mm -hmm. now. Like the, the time for raising awareness is... is timely but now we need action yeah you know and yeah. i think uh you know once a year for the shortest month of the year you know that's the the cliche we yeah. have always had exactly. is doing lip service to something and the exactly. those very deeper issues that we have they're going to be here in march yep. you know so yeah we know that there's a problem the kids know that there's a problem it's time to do something and especially in a school it's yeah. not just uh racism it's just also humanity. It, it's the bigger issue is just we're not treating people right. You yeah. know what I mean? Of course, it boils down to what's happened and what's you know what's happening in the media now with black people being falsely arrested uh, and whatnot. But the 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 bigger issue that can be taught to the kids also that we're still always trying to teach is just how to be kind to other people, right? Yeah. yeah. How to be nice. Um, so we're trying to find a spot for it in uh, in a class. And it's just to, we need to figure out how to just make it normal. Yeah. How to make it part of your everyday class that you're going to take from September to June. Not that you're stopping in February. Everything that you've yeah. done, it's become normal to the kids to hear about what's happening. So yeah. it's, it needs to be normal to learn sure. about it. It needs to be normal to figure out how to change things. Yeah. There's, there's a bit of a cliche, I think, among teachers, especially someone like me who's an art teacher, right? Where it's, it's easier for me to include a lot of diversity in my curriculum. We can look at black artists. There's no reason why we can't look at indigenous artists, right? The, the history of art does not have to be white European, right? Um, but then you fall into that gray area where you say, we don't see color. And is that simplifying the issue? Can you separate the two? Because it's very easy to say, 
for something like art, the painting speaks for itself. But can you separate it from the you know, decades and centuries of oppression that, that went into making it? So is it naive to say that, you know, as, as teachers, that we shouldn't be seeing color in when mm. it comes to dealing with some of these issues? I think a bit. Um, when I hear somebody say, I don't see color, again, I think it's just that easy way to not have to deal with the issue because the issue is still there. So to say that you don't see color is just because you kind of want to bury your head in the sand yeah. and not deal with the problem. There, It's there yeah. to, to see me and to say, oh, I, I don't see that you're black, but I am. It's part <laughs> of the package. Exactly. It's part of the package. It's who I am. Uh, and there's there's a history that comes behind it. So, you know, I don't... Uh, we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. That's the whole part about this, right? You don't want to use the wrong... Even myself, I don't want to use the wrong words when I'm trying to explain to people why you shouldn't say, I don't see color. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the perfect words yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out, because I never had these conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my close friends are black. And so yeah. I've never really been, you know, faced with people saying the wrong things by accident. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and as a white person, it feels like the right thing to say because you mean it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't see you as being a black person. I see you as being a person. A person, exactly. But that, that ignores your experience, which is obviously different from mine. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it's like to have my people oppressed for hundreds of years. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know what it's like to be pulled over, you know, driving while black. You know, mm -hmm. so it's it's you feel like it's the right thing to say, mm -hmm. but it's oversimplifying, you know, a very complicated issue. Very complicated. Yeah. And and emotional, I think. Uh, so in reading different articles and reading about what's happening in Montreal and, and, you know, our protests, Black Lives Matter and all of that, it talks often about white privilege. And when I say the words white privilege, I don't know why I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. I th because the word privilege has this you know, weird connotation. I know people, like, white people get really offended by it because you can have white people who are struggling economically, et cetera. Of course. But, yeah, but you can, you're struggling economically, but you still won't get pulled over for no reason. Yeah. That's yeah. the benefit that you get yeah. from that. Like, I try to explain this to, to, you know, some of my white friends also. It's, 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 we're privileged just because of the way we look. We're going to yeah. get job interviews that people who don't exactly. look like Exactly, you're us not, won't. not going to get called for an interview because of your name. Yeah, because some people just their name on their CV, they won't get called. That's for exactly, an interview. you know, so that's, you know. Yeah. And so going back to what I was saying before, in terms, I've never really had to have those difficult conversations. I've never really had to talk about white privilege or explain to somebody else about that. And it, I still I'm still like trying to find within me how to feel comfortable having those conversations because it's important to have those conversations. Yeah. Right. So recently, did you read about uh, Kamara? Of course. Yeah. Kay. He called 911. Yeah. I can't even tell my son, you know, we tell the kids in school all the time, you're a bystander, you see something bad happening, you're supposed to call 911, you're supposed to get help, you can get in trouble for not helping. I can't even tell my son, you're supposed to help, because yeah. you could be, the finger could be pointed Spend at you. six nights in jail, yeah. Oh my gosh, that thought is just... Have <laughs> you had uh, the talk with your son? I've had many talks with him just in terms of you're, you're going to be looked at differently. Yeah. You're going to be looked at differently. You're going to be judged differently. Uh, and it's a talk that I used to have with a lot of my students too, uh, especially in outreach, th that uh, my black students don't fall under the stereotype. Yeah. It's sad to say there's a stereotype that exists. Uh, you know, the, the baggy pants or the, the, the way you speak, the slang, you know, 
whatever the case may be, but you fall into that stereotype, there's even more of that spotlight on you. But I have to talk to him that it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your age. You have to think twice. You have to think twice about what you're saying, what you're doing, versus your white friends next to you. Yeah. It's not going to be the same thing. And that's, it's heart-wrenching. So to change it then, right? Like we, were, we were just you know, kind of dancing around that. You know, what, what can people like me do, right? Like white, woke middle-aged guy right like i want to say and do all the right things i'm raising my 18 month old to be anti-racist we want to make a change right so what 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 can white people do because i'm i'm a firm believer you know like white silence is violence you know like it's this is not just yes. your fight we're you know, we caused it you know we're the ones behind this so you know and we can't just say well now everything is fine, right? So good luck with that. You know, we need to make up for, <laughs> you know, you know, hundreds yeah. of years of oppression. So, you know, your thoughts. What, 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 can, what can I do? To me right now, I just think about this, what we're doing. Just having that conversation, uh, not being afraid to ask questions, not being afraid to, to, to learn, uh, but we're not going to go anywhere if we don't admit to what we don't know and just try it's the trying there's no i don't think there's one right solution to any of this but if we don't try uh, to make a difference then we're we're going nowhere uh, what's happening with camera i would like to know you know and not just in our school just in general our educators yeah. talking about it it's it's the talking part it's you know the word white white privilege we should all be talking about it figuring out what does it mean and trying to get other people to understand it uh and just like what you're doing, ask, what can I do, right? Uh, it, it costs nothing to ask your friend, does it bother you that I call you black? Would you rather Canadian, Ameri uh, yeah. African, or uh, African American? Just ask, yeah. just ask. <laughs> yeah, it, it's knowledge. Uh, we can't get anywhere if we don't know and we keep burying our head in the sands uh, and pretending that there isn't a problem. No, exactly. You we know, move on. You know, I, I think what you're getting at there also is, you know how important it is to to be educated about, and this is where where, where we come in. Mm -hmm. This is our job, literally. Like, we're we're <laughs> exactly, educators, exactly. you know. And and I'm a curious person, you know. Like so, you know, as I was I was you know looking at things before we started talking, just before we you know started recording here, we we're talking about things that you and I both don't know about, you know, the black community in our own city. Yeah, exactly. you know, like I didn't know that that in Nouvelle France there was four thousand slaves, and a third of them were black. The other yeah. two thirds were indigenous. You know, um, I didn't know. I mean, I've lived in Montreal for 43 years, my entire life. And I didn't know that the little Burgundy neighborhood, you know, came to be because of systemic racism, because the, the only job that a black person could get in Montreal was as a train porter. So they settled by the train tracks, yeah. you know, and this is you can't understand. I mean, that's the thing with with history. You can't understand the present unless you understand the past. Right. So it's, it's very I guess it's coming back to what we were talking about, glossing over how we don't see color. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that ignores all those other things that you know got us and like you keep on today. saying especially as educators especially as educators why aren't we doing more yeah. why aren't we doing more as schools yeah i literally just found out five minutes before i press record here that a black man set sail with samuel de champlain and was the translator between him and the indigenous people of You're canada teaching me all kinds today uh, well this is the, this is <laughs> the montreal cool. gazette thank you for that you know but <laughs> it's it's these are, you know, so 
that way, you know, the people of color who are sitting in our classrooms, mm -hmm. they start to see themselves as part of this. They get, mm -hmm. the, you know, that's their experience is validated. That's why it needs to be validated. in schools, of course. That's exactly why it needs to be in schools. We keep on saying the word. We need to normalize it. Especially, I find, in our school, too, where you don't see a lot of students nope. of color. Yep. Uh, the few that are here, they know that they're the few. They know that they're not the majority. So that's even more important for yeah. them to be seen. The kids need to be able to see themselves represented Absolutely. in their everyday lives, yeah. not just when they go into their houses, because it doesn't change much to them, because, no, exactly. well, it's my family. Of course they're black. Yeah. <laughs> but where where the rest of them? Yeah. It's still a little discouraging, though, sometimes when I think about it, because who is who can make a difference, who can make things change. Uh, and it, it's still those people that are in power. Yeah. You know, we want to do our Black Lives Movement and, and then white people also want to say that we're supporting, we're, yeah. we're there to help. But I, I still haven't heard no, exactly. concrete the action. yeah. actions. Well, because that would mean, I mean, this is, this is the, the, the great, you know, not even dilemma, but you know, the, the truth behind this whole thing. It means that white people would have to give up their, their position of power. So we've wanted to mm -hmm. do the right thing for a couple hundred years, but we don't have to want to have give anything back. We still want to <laughs> reap the benefits of, you know, all the terrible mm -hmm. things we did, right? When in reality, it's like, no, now it's time to move aside, you know? Yeah. And it's not to say step down, but move aside, you know? Yeah, get make out room. Of the way. Exactly. Make room for others. <laughs> Share it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this has been heavy. Let's yeah, let's lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> All right, we're going to draw this to an end, and the way I like to end off every episode is with a little game called Two Truths and a Lie. So the objective of this, you need to tell me two things about yourself that are true, one thing that is a lie, and I need to try to guess which one is the lie. So do you need a couple seconds to think about this? <laughs> ready to go? I think I'm ready to go. It, I just might not be able to look at you because okay. I'm a horrible liar. I'm going to look at the, the, <laughs> the fancy I'm such a bad liar. stuff on my screen. Go right ahead. I don't have a poker face. Okay. Two truths and a lie. Um, I have three kids over the age of 14. I have 13 tattoos. And I have jumped out of a plane. Wow. Okay, so three kids over the age of 14. What are their names? Donovan, Shade, and Caleb. Okay, I'm going to say that one is true. The second one was 13 tattoos. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to skip ahead to the... <laughs> I'm going to skip yeah. ahead to the, the jumped out of a plane. How long ago and why? Um, September. September-ish, September, October, and it was a birthday gift. Okay. All right, wild guess. I'm going to go with you don't have 13 tattoos. You're right. You don't? I don't. Okay, do you have any? Well, if I play this game again, I can't <laughs> All right, <laughs> so we'll just cards. stick it at that. <laughs> so you have three kids over the age of 14. Yes, two stepkids okay. and my son. And your son. Yeah. And you have jumped out of a plane. I have... It was insane. It, I think maybe that's why my heart is racing <laughs> thinking about it. It was, I would have never done it if it wasn't bought for me. It was, I'm a, such a scaredy cat. Oh, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. And thank you so much for being so open about a very, very personal and tough subject. Um, took a lot of courage to come and do this. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to benefit 
from the, the, the conversation and the dialogue that, you I know, hopefully, so. you know, discussions like this spark. Yeah, exactly. You know? So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that does it for this episode of Humans of LMAC. Until next time, stay safe and be excellent to each other.